Good morning, Paragon Church. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of 1 John, chapter 4. We will continue our time of worship reading through this passage. But I would like to point out that Matt made a big mistake. This is one of my favorite books in the Bible. And uh, when I was taking Greek in seminary, I couldn't pass that class until I had translated this entire book. And so it's hard for me to restrain myself, not to give you all those beautiful nuggets that are in this passage, because I know Matt's going to preach on it, and I want to steal his thunder, but I wanted to give you one as we read through this. So starting in verse 7, here we go. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And anyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God sent his Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And if we skip down to verse 19, we love because he first loved us. We are incapable of the love that's referred to here apart from abiding in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We talk about 1 John and we think that the predominant theme is love. And it is a good theme in the book. But I challenge you, go through and look how many times it says abide. Abide in Christ. Abide in His love. Abide in His mercy. Abide in the gospel. We will abide with you and Eli. We cannot do this alone, but we first must abide in that relationship with Jesus Christ that was purchased on that cross. Let us pray. Father God, I come before you and I thank you for an opportunity to continue our time of worship through the proclamation of your word. You are great and greatly to be praised. Help us to see this morning that you are the source of the love that we have. It's through your sacrifice, your demonstration, your compassion, your mercy, that we can be in right relationship with you. It is in Jesus' beautiful name that we pray. Amen. Love. It's more than a feeling and greater than something we fall into and out of. Love is the ongoing sacrifice of our own desires for the ongoing well-being of others. And at the center of the Christmas story, love is exactly what God is lavishing on us all. His love is why he becomes flesh. It's why he lives with us, and it's why he dies for us. That love is what our world needs the most right now. And our own hearts would do well to drink deeply from God's love too. It's an invitation for every person and it's here now because Jesus is here now. This is love. Welcome to Christmas.
Welcome to Christmas. This is love. As I dismiss our kids to go to their classes this morning, I'm going to ask each and every one of you to open, who are staying, open your Bibles to the book of John, not 1 John that that, um, Pastor Bruce just read from. We will get to that here shortly, but I want you to go to the book of John, John chapter 1. John chapter 1, and we're going to take a quick look at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, as well as verse 14. And as all of our kids leave, I'm going to allow you to stand up, read this with me if you're able, follow along, and then you can move seats if you want to, even now that the sum have opened up. So let's read it together, shall we? It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observe his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. You can be seated. Thank you for standing with me. This morning, we are in our second week of our Advent series, God With Us. Last week, we looked at how God with us brings us hope. He brings us hope. We find hope in God himself. We find hope in his character. We find hope in his faithfulness. And that hope comes in the good times. And that hope also comes in the middle of our most trying times. This week we take a look at love, the next step in the Advent candles and the wreath. I'm not sure if you've ever done that at your house, but God with us, it brings love. As our opening video said, the love of God is at the center of the Christmas story. As as Kyle brought up, it is the greatest gift that we can have. The love of God can be one of those things, though, that we overlook, that we become too familiar with or even we get too close to to see the power and the beauty and the awe of the love of God. It's much like the Grand Canyon. I was born about an hour from the Grand Canyon. I lived in Arizona for the first half of my life. Went to the Grand Canyon often. But the more you go to the Grand uh, Grand Canyon, sometimes it has a tendency to lose its luster, its, its amazingness because it becomes familiar. I think that happens sometimes with us with, uh, when we are with God as a follower of Christ. The longer we're a follower of Christ, we can get used to God's love. We can get used to God's mercy. We can get used to God's grace and just get accustomed to it being there. And it loses its luster. So my challenge to you today is this, to not let familiarity keep us from experiencing the depth and the height and the width and the length of the amazing awe-inspiring, life-transforming gospel and love of God. I want to reiterate what the video already said. In his love, we see that he becomes flesh. Why we read John chapter 1. His love is why he is with us. His love is why he made his dwelling among us. His love is why he went to the cross to die for us. It was all about his love. That is the center of the Christmas story, his love. Because we have to remember that without Christmas, there is no Easter. Without a birth and a life and a death and resurrection, there there is no Easter. 
So it has to start here in the life, and the love is what makes it all possible. If we lived in a perfect world, like a wrap up our sermon right here, right now. And you guys would be like, amen. I understand that. But as we begin to realize we don't live in a perfect world, we can't stop here. Because we live in a very confused world that doesn't know what love is. Because we keep using the word love, but they don't know what love is. This world is so confused about love. You know how they define love? By calling it love. Love is love. But can I tell you, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. In case you've bought into that, that makes no sense. Love is more than just love. Because when we say it that way, it just means I don't know what it means. So I'm just going to call it what it is. And then they say, well, you know what? Love is love, but you'll know it when you feel it. Well, do me a favor. Describe what love feels like. Describe what love feels like. We can't. Because we can't quite wrap it around. And you go, well, you, you know when you know. See, these are what things we call like circular logic. We're avoiding the actual definition by making up our own. What is love? And I don't want you to start thinking songs in your head of all the different 80s and 90s songs that talk about what is love. Got a little foreigner, got a little... You know, all the things that just popped into your head because nobody quite can grasp what love is. That's why we sing those songs in it all. I, I really want to let you know that love is not just a feeling. See, because we all know how erratic and wrong our feelings can be. Love is also not to be confused with lust. You, you can't say, well, if you love me, then. That isn't love either. What is love going back to the video i think the definition that was in there nailed it so i wrote it down love is the ongoing sacrifice of our own desires for the ongoing well-being of others that is love now does god's love fall into that definition god's love makes that definition god is love the answer is 100 percent. he's it but there's a lot of confusion about god's love isn't there how many times in your life have you asked this question does God really love me? Or when you hit a trial in your life or, or one of those less than ideal times in your life, do you say, does God still really love me? Does God love me? Honestly, you can grow up in church. You can believe in God. You could have studied about his grace. You could have studied about his mercy. You could have studied specifically about his love and still have thoughts that creep into your head that challenge your beliefs about God and challenge those beliefs that you hold so dear. They, they could cause us to question, God's love is put to the test when we have trials in our lives. When, like I said last week, we are disillusioned by what we think should happen. God, you can't let that happen because I am the one who should be in control. That disillusionment that comes with that, that God isn't doing it the way that you would have wanted. It could come with the loss of a job, come with the loss of a spouse, come with the loss of a child or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, whatever the case might be. It's in those moments we wonder where a loving God is when all these things happen. I'm sure you've heard it said before in some form or fashion, but how could a loving God allow such pain? How could a loving God really let blank happen if he really loved me? 
As a matter of fact, I don't know how it is, but I always get stuck behind this van picking up the kids at school. And on the bumper sticker, it says these words, how am I driving? Another question underneath it, and then it says, how could a God who loved us leave us in such agony? Every time I want to be like, hmm, hang on, let me answer that question for you real quick. <laughs> I know it's not the time or the place, but every time I see that bumper sticker, it just frustrates me because somehow, some way, these are questions we have to deal with in life, but to be brutally honest, and you know I have a tendency to do that sometimes, we have to remember it's not about you. When we ask those questions of God, we somehow think the world revolves around us. It is not about us. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about him and his glory. That's where we find ourselves. But we get disillusioned. Here's what we have to remember. There's a fact that the God who created everything, everything, there was not one thing that was created that he didn't create. We take time to even think about you. We take time to even care about you. We take time to even worry about you. That, that is the, the thing that should just really blow our mind because in that, when he did it, it's while we were rebelling against him. It's while we were sinning against him. It's while we hated him. He loved us enough. And even more mind-blowing is he wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants to be in a relationship with you right here where you are. You don't have to clean yourself up first. He came while we were still sinners. And you'll hear that throughout this. He came into this world, and more specifically, he came into this life that you live, into your life to bring you hope, to bring you love, to bring you joy, to bring you peace in the middle of the darkness. thought today was a perfect day for this message. Did you know but part of the reason why they celebrate Christmas on December 25th, it's not because it's actually Jesus' birthday. I know that's a shocker to you. If it isn't, go read about the history of Christmas. Part of the reason why they do it is because, you know what on December 21st is? You know what day December 21st is? It's the winter solstice. It's the least amount of light there is. It's a time of dreariness. It's a time of darkness. When did God come into our lives? at a time of dreariness and a time of darkness and that's why we celebrate the hope and the joy and the love and the peace that Jesus brings to us. That's what the Christmas story is all about. That's what the Gospels are all telling us. That's why even John continues to tell us after Jesus' resurrection. You see, the book of 1 John and other New Testament letters were written by the last living apostle and one of the earliest disciples, John. He was writing here to encourage and strengthen the church as they navigated the dark world. The passage we're going to focus on today, the one that Pastor Bruce read up front, is a passage that not is usually used at Christmas time, but I will tell you it is all about the Christmas story, reminding us all about God's love. And in his love, Jesus came. God sent Jesus to put on flesh and show us exactly what love is all about. He became one of us to show us how to live, but also to show us how to love. Let me read it again for you. It says this in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. 
and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 11, dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. Let me ask you a question. How do you know when someone loves you? How do you know when someone loves you? Is it because they say, I love you? I mean, that's a nice thing. It's a nice gesture, but what really tells us that somebody loves us? It's action and it's truth to go behind those words. One of the reasons why God sent his son was to show us what love looks like. The reason why we know God is love isn't just because he said it, although in reality that should be good enough for God, but also because of what he has done throughout his story and throughout your story. Our history shows God's love. So what did God do? What has he done to show us love? Well, John tells us in verses 9 and verse 10, he actually starts it off with this. God's love was revealed among us in this way. It was revealed among us in this way. He just lays it out. This is God's love. First one is, is God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. We celebrate Christmas because the greatest gift of all was given to humanity by God. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Oh, come, let us adore him. Love that particular hymn. But my favorite line in that hymn is, word of the Father now in flesh appearing. The word became flesh. That showed us love. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Have you ever tried to describe the gift that God gave us in Jesus? It's indescribable. I mean, think about this. You want to get into some theology? Fully human, but fully God. 100% and 100% equals 100%. Try and describe that. But that is the love of God. The only person who could bring humanity back into a right relationship with his creator. Wait a second. What's that mean? We're going to get into that. The gift of his one and only son. Let me tell you, I got seven kids. There's not one I would give for any of you, brutally honest. And I like you. We didn't even like God. And he gave his one and only. Try and describe that. But see, he did more than just send his son out of love for us. Verse 10 says, love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin. God's gift of love was sent to die for us. That is mind-blowing, but for some of you, that doesn't make sense. So let me take a second and explain it. John says, he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is the Christmas message. This is the Christian message. God in his love sent his son Jesus to do what we could not do on our own. See, because from the very beginning of time, well, minus a few days, 
From the very beginning of time, humanity has separated itself from a holy God because we have wanted it to be about us. In our hearts and at our core, we didn't really want anything to do with God. My guess is, is you're like me. We have habits we just can't seem to break. We have thoughts we can't seem to control. We have emotions that we let dictate our behavior. We have irrational fears that we can't let go. We have regrets that we can't forgive ourselves for. How many of these things describe us? We have a laundry list of things, of things that we shouldn't have said. There's another laundry list of things that we shouldn't have done. And then there's another list on top of that of things that we should have done, but we chose not to. Each one of those things falls into a general category called sin. So how does a holy and perfect God who can't and won't tolerate sin have a relationship with the people that he created and loves? Well, in the Old Testament, God set up a sacrificial system where there was this high priest and on behalf of God's people, that high priest would kill a perfect lamb. And that killing of that lamb would atone or cover all of the sins of the people. But the problem was it wasn't complete. It wasn't final. And it had to be done over and over again. So fast forward to Christmas. God sent his son to be the perfect lamb and the perfect sacrifice and the final sacrifice. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless and perfect life, died a substitutionary death on a cross to both satisfy God's wrath and reconcile us to God. Sure heard an amen in there somewhere. It's all right, you guys are just processing it. It'll come, it'll happen, it's okay. Christianity, unlike any other religion in the world, is the true story of Jesus taking all of our sin and giving us all of his righteousness. That is a beautiful thing. And the best part about it is, it's a gift. Christmas is here. How many of you have to earn a gift? Please don't raise your hand because I don't want your parents to be embarrassed. We don't have to earn gifts. That's the beauty of a gift. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to pay for it. A gift is free. You receive it. You unwrap it. You say thank you. And then you apply it, whatever it might be. That is, as the angel says in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, the good news. Let me read it for you. Don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy. That is for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This is how God proves his love for you, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. The sad part is, many people, and even quite possibly many in this room, have never experienced what it means to truly be loved by God, to truly experience his love. Too many think that God is out to punish us, that he's out to get them, that they're too messed up to be worthy of his love. How could God really love me when I don't even love myself? I am unlovable. How many of us have fallen into that category? But that's what, that's the power of the Christmas story. The whole story is a love story. It's a love story. The greatest of this story or the greatness of this story and the greatness of God's love is found in who he came to die for. He came to die for us. Can I tell you a really hard truth, not that I haven't already dropped a couple of them already? We're all 
unworthy of God's love. We're all deserving of his judgment, but God. Two of my favorite words in the Bible. If I ever decided to sit down and write a book, the title would be But God, and I would focus on each time it says But God and how that changed everything. As a matter of fact, I'm going to let you all in on a little secret that in 2023, uh, we are going to be diving into the book of Ephesians. It's all about But God. As a matter of fact, I might even share with you right now couple of verses that might just be my Easter sermon. I know it's already weird to be planning Easter, but that's how I work. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith and it's not of yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works that no one can boast for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. It's a beautiful verse. And there's another beautiful verse that talks about God's gift. Probably one that most of us in here know. John 3, 16. You know what's really crazy is I do from the CSB, the, the Christian Standard Bible, and um, it's not the same as the one I grew up, so I have to like read it because it's not the same. But listen to these words. For God loved the world in this way. Loved the world. All those in this world, the unworthy, the unlovable, the broken, the messed up, the confused, the hurting, the doubting, those with hearts that are two sizes too small. All of the world that he gave his one and only son, a fragile baby born in a small town stable. Why? For us. He had to put on flesh to reveal himself to us. He had to become one of us to show us how to live and to show us how to love. I'm not sure if you or into Paul Harvey. I shared a story this week. Paul Harvey was my grandfather's and my thing. We connected when we were listening to Paul Harvey. But the man and the birds and the Christmas story, if you haven't heard it, find it on my Facebook page or just look it up on YouTube. It's a powerful story about a man who comes to the realization on why Jesus had to become one of us. So many people in this world, they live in rebellion, they live in hurt, they live in agony on this journey called life. And they ask the question over and over and over again, where is God? Can I tell you where God is? He is with us. He is with us right here, waiting for us to respond to his love with love in return. Waiting for us to trust in his promise of hope. Waiting for us to cast ourselves at his feet on the throne of grace. And he's waiting for you and I to discover what it really means to be loved. Ladies and gentlemen, love came down for you. And love came down for me. But what does that matter today? Well, I read verses 9 and 10 in 1 John chapter 4. Let me read the two verses that really bracket that. Verse 7 and 11. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Skipping down to verse 11. 
Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. John tells us as followers of Christ that since God loved us and sent his son, even while we are still enemies of his, we must love one another. God's example, God's love becomes our motivation to love others. The sad thing is, is most of us know this. I mean, of course we're supposed to love one another. We, we know that because if you read the Twitter version of the condensed law that Jesus throws down, it comes down to love God and love others. We talked about this morning from Deuteronomy. Jesus ties it all together. Of course we should do that, but it's not that easy, is it? Remember that definition of love from the video? Love is the ongoing sacrifice of our own desires for the ongoing well-being of others with that definition of mind. How easy is it to love lovable people? And then more so, how easy is it to love unlovable? And take another step, how easy is it for us to love our enemies? See, Christmas isn't just a story of God's love, but it's also a story of, about God giving us the power to love others deeply. We need God's help to love him. We need God's help to love others. And guess what? Oftentimes, we don't get to choose who we get to love. Some of you are stuck in a hard marriage and it is really difficult to love your spouse right now. Some of you have a child or children in your home or in your life that are making choices that make it difficult to truly love them right now. You know that moron coworker you have? Or neighbor, maybe it is? How about the family member that came at Thanksgiving you're already dreading seeing them again at the next family function? How hard is it for us to love them? The people that just suck the life out of you. And I <laughs> emphasize that part just to let you know. It's why we need to remember the power of the Christmas story is first a story about God's love for us, but it's also a story about how we should love others and how we need to love others. See, because when we are fully immersed and blown away by God's love and His mercy and His grace, that should change the way we react to others because, yo, God loves me when I was in this condition. I could love that person when they're in that condition. That should be our natural overflow and when it happens people will see it people in fact will feel it and John actually says and I know Bruce uh, tied it in there as well in verses 19 and 20 of chapter 4 he says we should be known for our love because we're different and we're different because of God's love love God love others verse 19 we love because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. We love others because he first loved us. Love others. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. See, God with us brings love. The answer to that first question is much more simple than we make it out to be. What is love? God is love. 
God is love. God showed his love for us by sending his son Jesus to die for us. And now he calls his followers to show that same love to a world that is in desperate need. A world that is walking in darkness. And as we love others, I will guarantee you'll be reminded of how God loved you first. It'll be a constant reminder. It will stay fresh in our minds. It won't become stagnant. It won't become too familiar. As a matter of fact, there's a book by Bob Goff. And he's got lots of great books, but one of them is called Love Does, a New York Times bestseller. This is what he says. Jesus talked to his friends a lot about how we should identify ourselves. He said it wouldn't be by what we said or what we believed or all the good we'd hope to do someday. Nope. He said we would identify ourselves simply by how we loved people. It's tempting to think there's more to it, but there's not. Love isn't something we fall into. Love is something that we become. Love is something that we become. My question for you this morning as we wrap up is this. What are you becoming this Christmas? What are you becoming this Christmas? I know it's a time of joy and a time of hope and a time of love and a time of peace, or at least so they say. Are those the things that are oozing from your life? Or is it a time of stress and a time of hurt and a time of anger and a time of all the things that might go to with it? What kind of person are you becoming this Christmas? Today, my hope and prayer is that you will sit in the awe and the wonder of God's love for you. And that awe and wonder of God's love will pour out into others. All that he has filled you with will overflow into the lives of those around you. We pray that that is the case. Let's do that now. Father, thank you again for today and thank you for the way you continue to love us. The way you continue to be there for us even when we turn our backs on you. Even when we think differently about you. Even when we question where you are or who you are because you're not doing things the way that we would want you to do it. God, thank you for being the example of love and what love is really is and what love looks like by sending your son into this dark and depressing world to bring light a light that cannot be overcome by the darkness God to be a challenge and a change in our hearts so that we can become more like you God love is what we are becoming help us today to become more like you in a world that is desperate need of you we pray it in your name amen